What is happening, everybody? Check one, check two, check three into the four. How's it going? This is the Sneaky Emu. This is episode number 50. Number five zero. Can you even believe it? I can't. It's already here. We started this whole thing. This should be like an anniversary or something. This should be a celebration. This should be a party. Let's all, let's make this into a drinking game. And then we all take shots every time. I'll have a catchphrase. Actually, I I realized uh, I listened to one of the podcasts, my, (laughs) my own podcast the other day, because I don't, I don't, I don't do that very often. And I don't listen to sermons anymore. I used to listen to like all of my sermons, go back and rewatch because I wanted to work on my mannerisms, my pronunciation, my, the things I talked about so that I could get better. But I've kind of got to the place where I, I just don't like to do it. And I know I have room for improvement, but I still don't like to do it. But I did it the other day just to see how it sounded like if I was going to be working in the yard, listening to a podcast or working out or whatever. And I noticed something, you've probably already noticed it, but I'm going to go ahead and call myself out and hopefully this doesn't ruin things for you. I'm going to call myself out and then it's going to give me, maybe this is like a, a, a chance to be accountable. I, <laughs> I've i noticed I say, um, a lot. Yeah. Which is, which is the, one of the big things that you're not supposed to do when you communicate publicly, um, 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 so I'm going to work on that for me and for you. I'm going to work on that for both of us. You're welcome. So, uh, (laughs) so if you, if you hear a lot, a lot more, um, long silent pauses today, I'm sorry. I'm working on, I'm working on me. Okay. (laughs) We all have a little bit of room for improvement. Some more than others. I would probably be one of those with more. Anyways, this is the Sneaky Emu, episode number 50. We started this thing somewhere, some, somewhere, somewhere around the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, oh, I just did it. Did you hear it? I should take notes on how many times I say, um, let me see something here. Check, check, one, two. I think it's recording. I hope it's recording. This has been a long rambling, mumbling for nothing. Oh, I know what's wrong. I don't have the... There we go. Okay. So, episode number 50, The Sneaky Emu, where we want to discover the beauty of the world, the wonder of God that is ever before us that sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. We started this whole thing at the beginning or early on in the pandemic. So, we've been going on for uh, over a year now, which means episode number 50 is taking us a little over a year to get to 50 episodes. And I think, you know, maybe I took like Christmas off, took a couple weeks off in Christmas, took a couple weeks off in the summer. And so we're here. 50. It's unbelievable that there is this much stuff that we've been able to talk about. So much, so much content, if you will. Some of it may be a bit repetitive and a bit rambly, but I think we've covered a lot of ground. I feel pretty good about that. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've you've been able to grow and think and move on in, in who you are as a person. I hope some of the ideas we've talked about have 
help to shape and give you something to wrestle with, maybe. It's caused me to wrestle. I, I really enjoy doing this because not only have you become my counselors <laughs> where, where I get to work through stuff, uh, I get to vent a little bit, I get to hopefully speak some good things in your general direction. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. So today, episode number 50, I want to... This is going to be kind of all interlapping and overconnected, and we'll probably cover some things that I've touched on before, but this is all stemming from one place. And this one particular thing, to me, sits at kind of the core of almost everything that I talk about and everything that I connect everything to. <laughs> not, not to oversell it, not to make it overly dramatic here. But this is kind of a big deal. And so I'm going, we're in the middle of the series at, at, at my church called Telios. So this is going to kind of connect to some of the thoughts on Telios. And then hopefully this will be something that will be beneficial. Uh, I said it, I said, uh, that was my second one. Hopefully this will be beneficial to you in the long term. And like almost, this will be beneficial to you immediately and in the long term. Okay, so I have a person in my life. <laughs> Do you hear? I'll try to be careful with my words so that I don't say "uh." I have a person in my life. I grew up with. I'm a little bit older than, and we haven't we haven't been in in. Uh, uh, direct what's the word direct relationship maybe over the past several years but I see what this person posts on Facebook and I see the rhetoric they use and I see the language they use and it just feels to me like they're in the same place that they were 20 years ago and I kind of hurt for them because I remember I remember 20 years ago sitting with this person uh, it was kind of a mentor relationship of sorts very loosely very very uh very casual it wasn't like a formal sort of thing but i remember so many years ago sitting on the a porch with this person doing like a bible study sort of thing and this person really wrestling with their identity god's will for themselves what they were going to do with their lives what if they took the wrong path what if could they ever get back i think we've talked about some of this before and then this person just uh, a week or two ago posted something that I, that I want to share. <laughs> I figure if they're willing to share it on social media, then it's okay to talk about because it's not me. I'm not, I'm not, uh, step like I'm not violating any sort of confidential agreements because they posted it. And I'm going to do this all anonymously, so to speak. Uh, but I, I read, I'm going to read you this post because it, it kind of, I, it makes me hurt for them. It makes me feel for them. And then it makes me, it makes me kind of frustrated because this way of thinking, I think, is what represents so much of what so many people wrestle with that I feel like I have worked very hard to step out of this way of thinking. So I want to, if this is where you're at, then maybe today will be helpful. 
<laughs> I've speaking speaking. I've spoken in a lot of vague vagueness. Let, let me read let me read the post and then we're just gonna kind of talk about this and hopefully this will be a, a source of encouragement or there'll be some sort of insight here for you. Okay. This person says, is the desire, the passion, and the urge to create, write, and produce music a calling from my Lord? Question mark. Or is it just my flesh that leads me into deception and inability? Question mark. Being a Christian is utter chaos. I knew it would not be easy when I chose to follow Christ. What did I expect? Was the constant jumbling, jumbling in my mind of deciphering what God wants and what I want? Okay. Oh, I didn't read that properly. I knew it would not be easy when I chose to follow Christ. What I didn't expect was the constant jumbling in my mind of deciphering what God wants and what I want. The confusion is what makes me weak and brokenhearted. The bickering of my messed up mind. I'm the first to tell you that I'm mental, but I didn't expect it to ruin my dreams or God's wants. Okay, that's a lot. There is a lot of stuff in there to dive into and unpack. This, this, is, this is like a couple episodes of trying to sort through this. I'll, I'll not do that. But this to me represents... So the place where so many people are, especially with traditional Christian thought, there's seems to be this continual wrestling of what is God's will for my life? What do I do? And then we wrestle with the self, which if you if you've been listening to the series we've been doing a couple of weeks ago, we just did the uh, last week, I think we just talked about the divided self and it, it all stems from everything that jumps out to me about what this person has said comes back to what we talk about a lot at the church is God's intended reality. So people seem to be wrestling with what is God's will for my life? And then we wrestle with the divided self, which says, oh, is that God's will? Or is that my will? Or is that my selfish desire? Or why do I want to do this? And then, and we just continually second guess and struggle. And like he said, uh, what I didn't expect was the constant jumbling in my mind of deciphering what God wants and what I want. The confusion makes me weak and brokenhearted. That that makes me hurt for this person, but it also makes me very much aware of the things that many people wrestle with on a regular basis. This comes back to uh, confidence, insecurities. This comes back to what I think is a misunderstanding of God's desire and God's intended reality. So, so let me let me speak to a few things here. Let me start with what what we've been calling in this series uh, God's intended reality. God's intended reality to me is found in the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, Genesis one and two, where we see God creating all things. God speaks all things into existence. We see in this story of Genesis one and two. There are four key relationships or four essential relationships that I believe comprise what it means to be fully human. Okay, so there's the proper relationship with God. This is all like the summarized version. Again, if you've been watching the series, 
this uh, a summarized version of all of that, but uh, it, it ties it, to me, it ties directly to this person's way of thinking and, and is why I think this series that we've been doing is so important. So there's what you see, the four key relationships is God's relationship to man or the self to Adam and Eve. Then you see the proper relationship with the self, which let me, let me give you the four and then I'll break them down just a little bit. Proper relationship to God, proper relationship to the self, proper relationship with each other, and then the proper relationship within creation. So in the beginning of that story, you see that man and God are, God and man are at one with each other. They're spending time with each other. God is dwelling amongst his creation. Things are well there. Then you have the story, uh, then you have uh, the story where God, uh, there's this really interesting verse where it says that after God created man, that they were naked and they felt no shame. So there's this sense of wholeness and oneness within their being. They have the proper relationship with themselves. It's not until, well, I'll get to that. Uh, then you have the proper relationship with each other. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Things are well between them. They're living in harmony. It's a perfect relationship. Not really, probably not. They probably still argued, but there's, there's a oneness in that relationship. Also, you are made in the image of community, God is the original community, therefore you are made in the image of God, which means that you are made for relationship, you are made for community, because that's who God is. God, the, the God who is one, is also three. God is the original community. Then you have the proper relationship with creation. What you see in that story of Genesis 1 and 2, the story of creation, is that God gives them these instructions to basically be the steward of creation. We've talked about this a lot. I'm kind of just summarizing all this and putting it hopefully into one uh, slightly more concise way of thinking. So you have these four essential relationships. What you see in the fall, what we call the fall, Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve eat the fruit, is that these four relationships get disrupted. So God's intended reality is found for what it means for us to be fully human is found within these four key relationships. What we see after the fall, after they eat the fruit, is that these four key relationships that make up God's intended reality, that are what it means for us to be fully human, are disrupted. Would think about it. When after they eat the fruit, they're kicked out of the garden. That relationship with God is disrupted. Then you have the part where they are hiding from God. So before the fall, before they eat the fruit, they are naked and they feel no shame. After they eat the fruit, what we see is it says they were hiding from God in the garden because they realized they were naked and they felt shame. This is the divided self, by the way. This is what causes so many of our issues. Then you have the part about uh, God asked Adam what happened Adam begins to blame God, and then he blames Eve. Well, she gave me the apple. The, he says, the woman you put here, God. So he blames God. It's your fault for putting her here. And then he says, she gave me the apple to eat. Then he blames her. And then she blames the serpent. So there's this, <laughs> there's this blame game going on. So the proper relationship with others is disrupted. Then you have what you see later in Genesis 3. It says that uh, Adam, the, the ground is now cursed. That, they, that he will be forced to toil, uh, labor and toil, 
to to work the ground to so that they can have food to eat. There will be thistles and briars and all kinds of you know unfun stuff. <clears throat> so you see the proper relationship with creation is disrupted. Okay, so when you look at that story, Genesis one and two, God's intended reality. To me, the way that we understand what it means to be human is all found within this. When I when I read this person's post, there's a few things that stand out. Is the desire and passion and urge to create, write, and produce music a calling from the Lord? So he's struggling, or is it just my flesh that leads me into deception and inability? So he's struggling with, is this God's will? Is this not God's will? I, I want to write and create music. Is that from God, or is that just my selfish nature because I want the attention and want, you know, whatever? A couple of things. In, this, in God's intended reality, what we see is that God, who is love, is a creator. We understand that. And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. And then God forms man from the dust of the ground and breathes into him the breath of life. God is a creator. You are made in the image of the God who is a creator. Also, everything that God creates, he gives the ability to also create. Trees create more trees. Fish create more fish. Humans create more humans. And then the instructions that God gives is for mankind to be the steward of creation, for mankind to guide and shape. So as creation is expanding, the trees are creating more trees, the grass is creating more grass. Part of our role <coughs> is to help guide and shape that in some creative sort of way. So this desire to create, you were made in the image of a creator, and part of your role is to create and to carry out the instructions of God to steward creation also takes some creative abilities. So you are <laughs> you are a creator. So why why would you ever why would you ever second guess or ever, ever doubt that? The post says is the desire and passion to and urge to create and write and produce music a calling from the Lord, or is it just the flesh that leads me into deception and inability? Yes, it is a calling from the Lord. The desire to create is a calling from the Lord, whatever that crea creative outlet may be. Maybe maybe you're not a musician. Maybe you're not an, a painter or a sculptor. Maybe you're a business person. Maybe you create businesses. Maybe you do something else. Maybe, maybe you create order. Maybe you create a peaceful environment. This, these desires that are placed within you to create or to organize or to shape or to help things be better, I believe is a divine calling, is, a divine, uh, is the divine spark that's been placed within your being. So the reason that you doubt, or like he says, is it just my flesh that leads me to deception and inability? Uh, the reason that you doubt is because of the divine itself. Because you are no longer one within the self, so then you you miss essentially what is your calling, what is your what is God's design for you? Well, is this God's will or my will? Well, is it something that helps to create? Is it something 
that is beneficial to the self, to others? Is it something that cultivates your relationship with God? Is it something that helps to nurture or shape, <coughs> to shape creation? Well, then you don't have to second guess it. That's a part of the story. Uh, he goes on, being a Christian is utter chaos. Is it? Like, it seems to me that if that's my primary understanding of what it means to be a Christian, then I think we've got the wrong perspe- perception. I knew it would not be easy when I chose to follow Christ. I didn't. What I didn't expect was a constant jumbling in my mind, deciphering what God wants and what I want. I, I don't... If you live with the understanding that the basis of our relationship with God is to simply follow the rules. And like we're talking about in this series, Matthew 5.48, to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, then of course there's going to be some issues and some struggles. The goal of the... If we believe the goal is perfection, perfection is an illusion, which means then I can never quite get there which means I'm always going to be wrestling <clears throat> with a sense of, of wholeness within the self, which means I'm always going to be second-guessing and doubting everything that is in front of me. I'm going to doubt this desire to create. I'm going to doubt this relationship. I'm going to doubt... Do you see? And so to me, it kind of... I, I hurt for for this person. I hurt for you if this is where you're still at. Uh, he says, the confusion makes me weak and brokenhearted. Yeah. I, I get that because there's this, <clears throat> if the goal is perfection and the way that I get to perfection is by doing all the right things all the right ways, then there's no room. <clears throat> there's no, man, I'm getting, <clears throat> there's, there's no, there's no wiggle room. Uh, but the problem is that that passage, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The word for perfection in the Greek text is the word teleos. And teleos doesn't mean perfection the way that we think of it. It means, teleos actually means wholeness and completeness. So what? where do we get this picture of what it means to be whole and complete? Well, we go back to God's intended reality, to the opening chapters of the Bible, how God designed the whole thing to work and function, where we see these four key relationships. Proper relationship with God, self, others, and creation. And so if I am, something in my life is off in one or all of those categories, then of course I'm going to be at odds with the self. Again, this goes back to the divided self. That When they were in the garden, they were naked and they felt no shame. Shame is a huge thing in, in most of our lives, especially when it comes to the pursuit of perfection, if we think the goal of our relationship with God is perfection. The perfection that is, by the way, an illusion. Paul talks about for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Sure, we get that. I understand most of us understand that we make mistakes. Most of us understand that we don't always do the right thing. The the what affects the result of that? What or the re, how do I say that better? What affects how we move out of that or how we handle that? What was I saying? Son of a gun! I just messed up myself. If if I believe the pursuit is perfection and then I mess up. I'm going to carry guilt and shame. But if I believe the goal is completeness, then when I mess up, when I sin, when I don't achieve perfection, when I do the wrong thing, when I say the wrong thing, when I, then rather than allowing that mistake to become my identity and then throwing my whole being into a tailspin, 
it allows me to see that mistake, that sin, that whatever, as an opportunity to grow, as an opportunity to learn, which then allows me to continue to pursue the completeness or the wholeness that God designed me to experience, to step further into God's intended reality. Jesus says, I've come that in John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. To me, the endless pursuit of the illusion of perfection that is most people's understanding of how we understand and relate to God and how we live out a Christian life does not seem to be the fullness of life. Because what I hear in what this person has said seems to be the opposite of that. In fact, he says, this confusion makes me weak and brokenhearted. This doesn't sound like the fullness of life that we have been called to. You know, so much so much of what Jesus talks about, talks about dying to the self, dying to the self. A lot of times we think that is simply dying to a particular kind of behavior. Oh, I'm dying to the flesh, so therefore I'm not going to, you know, I'm giving up sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> That's... That's my brief summary of all the things that we typically lump in with what it means to pursue the flesh. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was like the that was like the big three <clears throat> growing up in, in in church, right? Stay away from these things and and then you'll be okay. And what we've missed in all of this, the confusion, this confusion is what makes me weak and brokenhearted. If 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 avoiding those things is the goal then when I don't avoid those things, then of course it leads me to this place of confusion. Of course it leads me to a place of shame and guilt. But that's not life to the fullest. Life to, Jesus says, when he, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I told you I'm working on my, on not saying ums. So it may be a bit more scattered than it normally is. The giving up, dying to the self, to me, is about dying to all this stuff that I see in this post. Dying to the ego, laying down the insecurity, dying to the part of the self that says I'm not enough, dying to the part of the self that questions or second guesses God's desire for you to create. It's almost like we're, we're killing off the wrong parts of us. Life to the fullest is what Jesus offers. Life to the fullest. Be whole and complete like your heavenly Father is complete. That's the fullness of life. That's where we find what it means to be fully human. So much of faith and what I see in what I would call modern American Christianity is about the behavior modification for some false sense of security that we're going to get into heaven or something like that. And to me, what I've realized do you notice how I'm talking much slower? <laughs> to me, I think the place I've come to 
is that it has a lot less to do with behavior modification and a lot more to do with understanding how God created this whole thing to function, which is really the proper relationship with God, with the self, with others, and with the world. And so when I begin to operate out of this God's intended reality, what it allows me to do is it allows me to continually pursue a better version of myself, which means that I help to create a better version of the world, but I'm not doing it out of a fear or a sense of possible judgment, or I'm not doing it because uh, thou shalt nots or whatever things that we normally, reasons we do this. It's because I want to step into the fullness of who God created me to be. I want to step into the fullness of what it means to be human, right? And so, so the way that this works is, is, is it's like if, if the design is for this wholeness. Okay, think about this. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, this ancient Hebrew prayer, ancient Jewish prayer, one of the most uh, important prayers in, in Judaism. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. God is one. God is whole. Ephesians 4.6, Paul says there is one God who is over all and through all and in all. So there's nowhere that God isn't. There is one God who is one. So in the story of creation, there is one God who is one, and from this oneness, all things come. Right? The one who is one <clears throat> says, let there be, let there be. There's light, there's land, there's plants, there's animals, there's people. And then we are created in the image of this God who is one. And then part of our oneness <clears throat> is found in our ability to maintain the wholeness and oneness that is God's intended reality. If this is all new language for you, this might be a bit confusing. Even if it's not, it still might be a bit <clears throat> a bit confusing. But it, it, it's it's kind of like this. Okay, here here's here's a couple. Here's an example. If I'm having a bad day, if I'm having an off day, and I come home and my wife says to me, it "Could be anything." Hey, uh, I need help with the kids. They're driving me crazy. If I'm having a bad day and I am not at one with the self, then what she says as a simple statement that she needs help, I may receive as, as an attack on my being. Oh, well, you're not doing enough. But if on the other hand, I am whole one within the self, when my wife says this, hey, I need some help, I can hear it for what it is, which is simply a plea for help, and I can step into that, give her a hand with the kids, and then not only am I one within the self, but by doing this thing, it allows me to like build that relationship with her. So now I am one with other, with others. So I am one with God, I am one with the self, I am one with <clears throat> with others. Do you see, like this is all, it's all kind of connected. The same the same thing when it comes to how I treat my physical body. If if in the story of creation it says that God created man from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the, the breath of life, then my body is is of the earth. And then if the instructions of God of God are to be stewards of the earth, then I am from the earth and I am for the earth. And so that I have this responsibility for this physical being that I've been given. <clears throat> So if I am not taking care of my physical self in a proper way through what I eat, through, you know, 
kind of regular exercise or whatever, then the odds are that I'm probably not super concerned if my body is from the earth and I'm not taking care of the this little part of the earth that is my body, then I'm probably not super concerned with taking super great care of the earth that isn't my body. <laughs> you see, there's this oneness and this wholeness. It's all it's all connected. So when it comes to my sense of identity and it comes to this sense of fulfillment or the sense of peace within my being, it to me all goes back to these four essential relationships. Where am I am I moving towards a sense of oneness with the one who is one from which all things have come? How is that relationship with God? Do I view God as simply the floating like Zeus character with a giant beard in the clouds and shooting lightning bolts out of a rod of some sort? Is God distant and removed? Or is God a close and personal God who is in all and through all and overall? Like there's nowhere that God isn't because that affects how I interact more really with God. Is God demanding perfection or is God inviting us into completeness? When it comes to the self, how am I doing with the self? Am I continually living with a sense of guilt and shame and insecurity? Or am I moving into a place of wholeness and oneness within the self? Right, And we live in a world that is continually trying to tell us we're not good enough. Where they sell us things that, and the way that they sell us things is by telling us all the ways that our life would be better if we had these particular products, which is to say that if your life needs to be better, that your life currently is not good enough, which leads you to a place of being insecure. Also, when you throw in the idea of religion into all of this, a religion that continually <clears throat> wants to, that starts usually from a place of of Genesis 3, of the fall. Most, most Christian conversations seem to start at the fall. You are not good. There's something wrong with you. There's a huge problem that needs to be fixed. And what we've missed is the story of creation, like the opening, like the whole thing has to be, the, the story of creation has to be the backdrop for understanding the fall. This is, this is why, uh, I, and I hear this, I used to hear this a lot, when people would tell me that I didn't preach enough about sin, I didn't preach enough about hell and condemnation and damnation. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not the starting point. That's that's not the starting point is not original sin. The starting point is original goodness. Right? So when it comes to, to myself and how I understand the self, where where are you starting that conversation at? Oh well I'm just a pile of garbage. No. You are a you are an incredible being that was made differently than all of creation. God spoke everything else into <clears throat> into creation by speaking it. And God broke that pattern of creation in order to shape your being and then breathe into you the very breath of life. You are carrying, you are, your being is animated by the spirit of the divine, by the spirit of God. So maybe cut yourself a little bit of slack. And then when it comes to the relationship with others, you were made in this image of community. So if you are continually isolating yourself <clears throat> for one of or a hundred different reasons. Oh, well, I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. I'm, um, you know, I'm 
overweight. I'm not pretty. I have this, I have zits on my, whatever, whatever physical insecurities you have within the self, then that has the potential to isolate or separate you from others or for being in relationship with others, which also is going to cause problems because you were made for a relationship. This is all, it's all interconnected. It's all overlapping. So again, when I, when I look at a post like this, that to me speaks to where a lot of people are, uh, let, is this, is the desire, the passion and urge to create, maybe I should do this as, as a response <laughs> after all this rambling, maybe I should do this as a response because this is, this is a huge, to me, this is such a huge deal. And this is what this person has written represents how many people wrestle with and see and understand God because of the things they were taught about how to think about and interact with God. And I just feel like we've missed, we've almost made faith and religion <clears throat> like a bit of a drudgery. And, and there's this heavy shame culture that seems to go along with it. And to me, none of that is a part of, of life to the fullest. When I, look at, when I look at many Christians, what I see is good people who have good intention, who are trying to do good, who are trying to do good things, who are trying to be kind, who are trying to be better. I get that. But I also don't see a lot of people living in a way that I would go, man, I want some of that. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I don't see a lot of people in the realm of Christianity that to me live lives that are inspiring, that, <clears throat> that are calling, that are that by watching who they are and how they live, that are pulling me forward to want to be better. So I read this, and this to me represents a lot of what's wrong in the realm of Christianity in America. Is the So I'm going to read this and maybe try to do a, a quicker response. Is the desire the passion, the urge to create, write, and produce music, a calling from my Lord. Yes. Yes, it is. Because what you're doing in creating music is one is you're stepping into God's intended reality for your being. What you're doing when you're creating music is guiding and shaping this world. Right. That's the interesting thing about you know, playing guitar, playing piano. You didn't create the instrument. You don't create sound. You're not creating the ability. You didn't give people the ability to hear sound or differentiate different tones or whatever. But what this person is doing as a musician is arranging the notes in various positions and various relationships in order to create some sort of melody and tune, which is a really beautiful thing. You're bringing order within creation through this music. You, you, you are creating something new in the world. You, you are participating 
in the very thing that God was up to when he spoke things into existence. I'm going to take this thing, these materials, and I'm going to bring some sort of order into it. And in that order that I bring into it, there will be a great deal of beauty. That's what writing a song is. Or is it just my flesh that leads me into deception and inability? Yes, that's part of it as well. That's part of the divided self that's causing you to wrestle and struggle and feel like you're not enough. You're buying into the lie that says you are not enough. And again, Jesus has died to the self. Maybe that's part of the self that you need to die to. You need to die to the self that says you are not enough. He says, being a Christian is utter chaos. I knew it, I knew it would not be easy when I chose to follow Christ. Sure. But what I didn't expect was the constant jumbling in my mind of deciphering what God wants and what I want. Why? Why do we do this to ourselves? I think we make this way too complicated, right? It's way too complicated. Are you aligning yourself with the God who is one? Are you stepping in, have, maintaining the proper relationship of the self, letting go of the shame and guilt? Are you maintaining proper relationship with others that you're working, uh, what does Paul say, uh, to live at peace with all? As far as, what's it, he says something, as far as it's up to me, I will live at peace with all people. Uh, the confusion is what makes me weak and brokenhearted. Of course, because you're operating out of this place of, of shame and guilt. Of course, because this, this pursuit of the illusion of perfection can only lead to shame and guilt. Where else do you think it would go? And he says, the bickering of my messed up mind. I'm the first to tell you that I'm mental, but I didn't expect it to ruin my dreams or God wants or God's wants. Like that's a lot to carry. That's a lot of burden. That's a lot of minimizing, minimizing who you are and who you were created to be. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to think this way. What is the, what is the other passage? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many of us need to uh, renew our minds. Many of us need to rethink how we think about the self and God and others in the world. For many people, many people are just sitting and watching the news and being depressed about all the things that are wrong in the world. Yeah, that's one way to live, but I don't know if I would consider that living. This whole thing speaks to me that, that many people have missed what it means to live life to the fullest. We're caught up in all the things that are wrong. We're caught up in all the ways that we think we are not enough. We're caught up in all the ways. And, and being caught up in that leads to like uh, insecurities. Insecurities within the self lead to insecurities in relationships with others, which then <laughs> continues on to leading us into insecurities with relationship with God. Right? It's, it's, all, it's all connected. And what I just want to do to to this person, and maybe even to you, and sometimes I need to do to myself, sometimes is I just want to shake myself and say, wake up, wake up. It doesn't have to be like this. You are called to so much more. God, Jesus, the whole purpose of Jesus is, is life to the fullest. That's not about, that's, that's not just about some time in the distant future. That's about how we live in the here and now. Many of us are living, what's the, what's the phrase? These quiet lives of quiet desperation. Yeah, and the silence is deafening. 
oh my gosh, that's what this feels like. And when you look at the story of God's intended reality and how things were supposed to be and the calling that he has given us and the image that you were created in, you are an incredible thing. And the fact that you are a thing should be enough. You have been given this incredible life to shape and create and guide the unfolding of creation, the continuation of creation. You get to participate in bringing things into this world for the better. You get to participate in helping to make this world a better place. You get, you get to become one with God <laughs> through Christ. You get to step into that, right? If, if, if there is one God who is overall and through all and in all, there's nowhere that God isn't, which means that when you're creating, you're actually participating in relationship with the divine. Like, do you see how this, it's so incredible, this gift of life that we've been given. Like, even, even when things aren't good, things are still pretty good. Even when it seems like life is falling apart, there's still so much to be grateful and thankful for. And so why would I... Why would I want to live a life that's less full? Why would I want to live a life that's continually struggling and wrestling with guilt and shame and doubt and all the things that seem to come along with what seems to be modern Christianity? Like, stop doing that. The story starts with a unity of all things. The story of creation starts with God's intended reality where we are dwelling in the presence of the God, of, of the divine and God is dwelling in the presence of us and we are in, at harmony, at peace with one another and we are at one with the self and we are at one with uh, in relationship with others and we are at one with creation. Like that's a beautiful story. We, we can't start the story in Genesis 3 where everything is crap. That's where it seems like so many people seem to be starting the story. And the result is a post like this where, where this person is confused and wrestling with purpose and wrestling with meaning and wrestling with identity and wrestling with what I have to do and what I... And then they end up in a place of feeling absolutely broken. That to me is not a, co a compelling statement as to why I should be a Christian. In fact, that really to me is the opposite. I don't want to live that. If that's what Christianity following Christ looks like, I don't want any part of it. But if the offering of Christ is life to the fullest, if the offering is to be complete as God is complete, and if in that completeness if that picture of how God designed things to be was a sense of oneness with God, with the self, with others in creation, was an invitation to participate in the ongoing unfolding story of creation, yeah, I want to be a part of that. That sounds like a much better, better way to live and be. I want to step into the fullness of that whole thing. So, there you have it, episode number four. 50. We'll have a name for it. I'm sure of it. This has been the Sneaky Emu. Hopefully not too much rambling on. Hopefully you got something out of this. Hopefully this will speak to your being. Hopefully if you find yourself relating to the post of my friend, this will be a breath of fresh air or at least give you something to wrestle with. You don't have to live this way. You have been created for more. The invitation of Jesus is for more. Stop accepting and living in the less. All right, my friends, I'm sending you all the love. Mom, thanks for listening. 
This has been the Sneaky Emu. God bless, and we will talk to you later. We're here to unlearn teachings of the church and state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to keep.